usually the thing I love about sound is you've actually figured out answers to the questions within a very short period of time. You don't have to listen for very long, mm-hmm. right? If you hear a message twice, you go, oh, that must be their message. Turned up in two ads. You know, like it becomes a kind yeah. I mean, to me, it's obvious pretty quickly. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my conversation with Josh Butt. My next guest is Chief Production Officer of Ample, an award-winning content creator of podcasts, TV, TVCs, audio ads, short films, and video content with over 25 years of experience. He has an insatiable need to entertain and connect with audiences' eardrums and eyeballs. With a great ear for sonic logos, musical stings, funny ads, or creative podcasts, his work makes audiences laugh, think, and act. His work has won many awards along the way, and he's previously worked at Mediacom, Storylab, ABC, Fairfax, Triple M, and has also taught for many years at AFTRS. A VCA and Monash Business School graduate, he's a past participant of the Observership Program, was a board member of Co-Curious, Curious Works, and currently sits on the Create NSW Multi-Arts Board. His name is Josh Butt, and if you're interested in the correlation between sound and memory, where humor fits into advertising, and how companies can make the best impact with curated sound, you're going to want to hear what he has to say. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available and what the newest audio chats will be about. And if you're getting some value from listening, the best ways to show your support are to share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review. Both those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my conversation with Josh Butt. Thank you so much for being here, Josh. I appreciate your taking the time. I know it's a, an odd time of the morning for you and because <laughs> we're a little. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we're in the future in Australia, so we're used to, yes. uh, we, we're travelers. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's from somewhere. We're a big island. So uh, we're, we're used to the, um, the rest of the world being on the other, you know, the other time zones. Yeah. So where in Australia are you? So I'm in Sydney. Uh, I'm from Melbourne okay. originally. Um, okay. And uh, very close to the Opera House, if to, yeah. give, to give you a landmark in the bridge. Iconic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So I usually start out these conversations by asking you about how, if you have an early memory of how sound moved you. Do you have one of those that you could talk about? Yeah, so we lived in Toronto when we were when we were kids, um, mm-hmm. and um, we had a car uh, that uh, was in the early eighties um, that used to say "the door is ajar," in a, <laughs> and um, it was a, it was it was a cool, it was a cool car. Uh, I mean, it was, sorry, it wasn't a very cool car, but it had a, a great sound. That that's probably the first sound 
that I can think of um, when I was about four or five. Okay. Uh, and that really moved me. But I was always interested in sound um, and and I became – I learned how to play piano from the age of five and wow. was very musical early. Um, yeah. Did you have a musical family? Did they encourage that or – Not really. Not really. I don't, no, they're no. not really in the – I mean, they kind of encouraged it. No, like I probably had the same experience that many uh, pretty average piano players have at their house, which is, shut up! <laughs> Would you stop playing? I'm trying to blow. So uh, I, had, I had a lot of that. But I also – I didn't have a musical teacher that I um, – ever connected with, but my cousin, Dione, uh, who's about six, uh, you know, six years older than me, she was very musical, great piano player, and I used to spend a lot of time with her, um, and she would, uh, you know, inspire me to play piano. Wonderful. Um, yeah. It's always nice to have a, some people in your family who at least get it musically. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and my first, uh, the first CD I owned was... Um, uh, Billy Joel Live in Russia, the concert album. Okay. Um, and Angry Young Man is an ex is ex played unbelievably in that concert, um, and many of the other songs as well. And so that became my first album. Um, and I think the first album that you own is a very important album. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. It sets you up for a lot of. For, it sets you up for your music, I think. So my yeah. music was piano, uh, rock and roll, um, you know, inspired by Billy Joel, and also the craftsmanship of of Billy Joel and his his band um, made me, I guess, just kind of obsessed with it. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah, I grew up with that as well. My my parents were playing Billy Joel and Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and you know uh, the and Stevie Wonder. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Talk I had piano. I had Hot August Night on repeat and Peter, uh -huh. Paul, and Mary. Yep. And Peter, Paul, and Mary. Like, I don't know what was yes. going on in my dad's mind. But, uh, <laughs> um, but and Mum loved show tunes. So she had fan oh, wow. Phantom of the Opera blaring at all times. Oh, okay. So it was, it, you know, and, and also being Jewish and having a lot of Jewish music, um, sure. especially as, as, as a child, um, you know, there's lots of songs. Um, a lot of that stuff really sticks in your brain. Well, yeah, Fiddler on the Roof, if your mom was listening to show tunes, you know, I mean. <laughs> yep, Fiddler on the Roof is very important in our house. My brother yep, got, my yep. brother, my brother was in the wedding scene of that when he was like six years old. Really? So uh, at school, at a school play. So cool. So, so yeah, so it really shapes you. Yeah, it totally does. I remember listening to Barbara Streisand growing up a lot. <laughs> that yeah. was that was me learning how to sing. That was <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah. So it I definitely agree it's iconic. It's something that you remember and and wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so But then yeah. also I was going to say uh, uh comedy on tapes as well. Okay. Uh I loved comedy what on tapes. What kind of comedy? Just old Jews telling jokes. Jackie Mason, <laughs> Billy okay. Crystal, Woody Allen, yeah. um, Lenny Bruce, uh, Mel Brooks. Um, the uh, the um, there's a there's an album that was done in the Catskills called "You Don't Have to Be Jewish," mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then I got the Jewish joke book, and all all of these things kind of melded together and sort of started me off wanting to be uh, in entertainment. But um, sure, but yeah, I can do because also you know. The, the live music and then live comedy, you know, the sense of timing is very mm -hmm. important. 
Oh yeah. And bad timing, it it doesn't work. Great, great timing, it's perfect. And I think um, so. Yeah. So th th those those are sort of my inspirations as a child. That's uh, fantastic. So I love answer. where that led. <laughs> Well, you don't get to ask so, me. You don't get to ask many questions <laughs> talking to me because I like finding out the re the actual answer. Um, it's all good. It's all good. How did that go from uh, you know making music, listening to music, listening to comedy to advertising? Because there's there's a bit of a leap there. I mean, maybe not such a big leap, but I think when you remember that we're in Australia and we're a small mm -hmm. market. And you don't get the luxury of being able to specialize the way that perhaps you do in America or to a certain extent Canada. Okay. Um, uh, um, that market size means that being a jack of all trades um, is a common um, is a common element of and and also uh, um, an ability to change and adapt. Mm. Th th those are common elements of people who kind of make it in some way in in entertainment. Um, and so I started in community radio and I had to make lots of radio ads for the community radio station. Um, I got into comedy, uh, when I was like 19 and did that for a few years while doing radio and, uh, community TV. And then someone asked me to make an ad for them, but funny, uh, because we made a, a sketch comedy show. And so then I was making a couple of funny ads and I was doing stand up, and I was just kind of advertising opportunities started to present themselves, but also, um, I had a, um, a business, a business degree. Um, and so falling into the producer line sort of became my thing, um, because I could communicate with all the creative people, but I didn't, you know, always necessarily have the stomach for, um, being a full-time writer or a full-time comedian or, a uh, you know, full-time, whatever those could, those careers could have been. You got to do it all. Why would you choose? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, so I just, I ended up making lots of video ads and TV, mm -hmm. you know, TV commercials, um, still when it was film. Uh, so I got to work on film and audio tape, audio tape just for a little bit. Um, but still a bit of film. And so I got to, um, you know, really see the craft being made. Do you want to sound your absolute best when you're being interviewed on a podcast or when you're hosting your own show? I have a podcast episode and free downloadable worksheet called Sounding Your Best as a Podcast Guest off of the audiobrandingpodcast.com main page. Just click on the little square graphic to the left of the player displaying my podcast trailer. It gives you some comprehensive suggestions for where to start or for improving the sound you already have including the type of microphones to consider and why, ideas for soundproofing your recording environment, and suggestions on how to get the best sound when you're being remotely recorded on services like Riverside FM or Squadcast. Don't let bad audio quality hold you back from being the best podcast guest or host you can be. And of course, if you happen to need voiceover for your intro and outro, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to help. And now, back to the podcast. There must be a big difference between analog and digital. Uh, yeah. Or is there? Well, uh, I mean, it's just a capture method. It was digital. Most of the editing well, methods yeah. were, were um, was, you know, the tape-to-tape -tape stuff was moving very quickly to sort of the early version of how we do it now. Does uh, it change how you work with the medium, though, is what I was Oh, wondering. right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, sure, totally. If you can't roll 
if you can't roll tape forever like you can now, now we mm. do it for like six cameras at the same time or, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, if, you, if, you, if, if the tape is expensive to deal with and a hassle, then you just don't roll as much. So you rehearse more, you're more prepared, and then you have less go takes. So editing becomes a lot e easier in analog. Um, I think where the the business I've you know my my business ample uh, works is that we still try and play as much of an analog game as we can, mm -hmm. um, and do as much in person as possible, um, because it's a creative pursuit and everyone feeds off their each other's energy and what sounds good and what feels right. Um, whereas when you're sending out fifty things for feedback and approvals and rounds and rounds and rounds of changes, you just never get a result. Um, so yeah, so that I, I much prefer the analog way of doing things. Um, but also you get a richness. There's a, there's a, if, if, you know, we're not talking for a second here and there's a breath, there's no sound, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are in a, um, a, a, a tactile medium, the way film and tape is, there's always a little something. Yeah, so, sure enough. So that's, I think, you know, now with, with all the, anyway, back to the question of how do I get into advertising, I, survival, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, yeah. And so I ended up being, uh, getting a full-time job at, um, I worked kind of freelance everywhere. Mm -hmm. Kind of pick a pick an industry, pick a entertainment, pick a media. Like I've done sort of almost everything. Um, certainly from a production perspective. Um, and, and when I went to MediaCom as head of production, I'd never worked in an agency before. Um, but it was a very small creative department. With an amazing boss, Gemma Hunter, creative director called Shelby Craig. Um, and, and a team and, a, um, Tess Wood and who was our uh, account director, sort of head of, I don't know, she ran the joint. Um, and, uh, <laughs> another guy called Taylor Thornton, who was another a junior creative. And, and we had this unbelievable team that, um, just fused perfectly together. Um, and we were able to do a whole bunch of things that were not necessarily advertising, but they were brand brand they're called brand funded content which is a terrible word phrase what it because well no but like like brand funded saying it's yeah. a it's a shitty form of whatever it is we're making <laughs> because a brand paid for it whereas well they uh, call them branded podcasts right and and yet sure. i mean i don't know i i guess they kind of have that yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, and so my approach to advertising is completely different as a result of that time with that that team, um, because we got to make uh, huge TV shows and great ads and great uh, educational um, videos, and we put um, photo a photo on an ATM uh, for a client. We put. Um, you know, videos into branches out of a bank, uh, same client actually. Um, mm -hmm. We did we did lots of we sold DVDs and CDs. We did lots of cool stuff. Um, and so, so that brand moniker never really, you know, you didn't want to get lost in that. It it I was covered in I was covered in it. It was it stuck <laughs> to me, you know, with with a. With a I hate it. I hate the way it stuck to me. However. I, you, you, everyone needs a label, I guess, right? Because people need to yeah. understand why they should work with you. 
And so for oh, a long sure. time, that was my, my label was, you know, connected to brand funded uh, entertainment. And but you, you said that brand had this um, connotation of like bad content, right? So the idea yeah. being that hopefully you were helping to change that that, that, that that's right. assumption that's right and so i yeah. take uh, i i I've, i always wanted to get back to community radio i always want to get back sure. on, on air and when podcasting sort of came around i was like hello i was the first person globally to um for, for, for no reason other than i wanted to um to license <laughs> the theme music from serial was very distinctive it had a really u unique sound in the podcasting world um and i love music that is different um and so i went and licensed that track the composer was very surprised that someone to license it i just wanted to license it for a um who we are as a team so like our team intro video um not one person ever recognized it as the music from serial um which piss me off so i would mention it every single time <laughs> um, and then they'd be like oh yeah um so that was funny but um but yeah so so from there i became a podcast evangelist and i got back into um making some podcasts or oh, sorry i was able to make some podcasts um they started to move very well COVID hit i started to really focus on the ads in the podcasting um, then I started getting the opportunity to do radio ads again, and it was just like a, you know, it was just, it was just like riding a very comfortable old bike. When I sat down the first time to cut it, all the skills were there from 20 years prior. And, um, I was like, yeah, we're just going to do everything we want to do. And let's forget about the video because the audio is mm -hmm. much more interesting. Um, and then Sonic branding has really been a focus of mine, um, as well as, um, making, um radio ads and podcast ads that are for the audience or the audience as i like to say it, okay I, I haven't figured out how to how to say it as well as it reads it doesn't even read that well that was pretty good audio audio <laughs> ends yeah yeah um and so i'm trying to uh you know i've done a lot of research in um the behavioral um uh, applications for music and for sound uh for brands and for podcasters and just anyone um and i'd love know. to hear more about that actually if if you've discovered anything that you that you feel you should share <laughs> i would love to hear wh what you've decided what you've come up with well i think it's so uh, i'm not sure when this will be released but uh, october 25 today is the or, or 24 is um the uh the 20th anniversary of the mcdonald's i'm loving it uh yes da -da -da -da, um or the or the 50 variants of that track over the last 20 years of course. um yeah. i think it's the perfect example of an audio logo right um it's it's only the motif really um but it connect but they change the music all the time for whatever the visual creative is uh and then at the end it ends with one iteration or another of ba -da 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 -da, and it's a very flexible way to end it now it doesn't say mcdonald's ever because when you do that much advertising in visual form eventually someone's going to see it and they're going to hear it and so they don't need to say mcdonald's in their opinion 
Well, it's it's kind of evolved over so many years, too, mm-hmm. hasn't it? I mean, it started as a full song, and then they were only doing the chorus, and then they were doing just that little bit, and then, you know, someone else was doing it, and then, you know, there's there's been so many developments over time, and as you say, it's been used for so long and so often mm-hmm. that people just, not, they just automatically went with the the I I don't know what you'd call it like the devolving of the song into an a logo. <laughs> um, well, I think they did it the way they did it in a in a the way they did it was over time. They they mm-hmm. com, they committed to it, and oh, yeah. so they did it slowly because clearly they didn't want to use McDonald's in the motif. Mm-hmm. So that's why I call it an audio logo, by the way, not a sonic logo. A sonic logo would be, would include the word of the com- the company name, right? So that you know, EA Sports, it's in the game. That lo- that's a sonic logo to me. Doesn't need a visual, mm-hmm. right? Whereas McDonald's, the da 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 da, as great as it is, and it is sonic in every way, it fits with a visual, so it's therefore an audio. Uh, logo to me, so that's how I kind of. So that's your diff- that's your difference. That's okay. my difference. So a sonic uh, logo doesn't have an uh, a, a visual component, and an audio logo does. That's right. Is that uh, the idea? That's okay. the idea. Audio, visual, sonic, right? So that's the difference. Um, okay. And the getting, but getting back to the behavioural side of the McDonald's logo. Um. So it can be sung, it can be hummed, it's always recognizable, it's got the notes. Ba da ba 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 da 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 da. So you know, you don't even need to say it correctly, you know exactly what it is, right? Um but when you see those five uh phrases um at the McDonald's window, just before you're about to pick up your burger in the drive through, and you see that sign, that car becomes a band. Because they go, what, what is that? But uh, da 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 and then you know they, you know, so, so you know, obviously McDonald's is in the business of um, selling Happy Meals and serving customers. I think what I don't know how many billions they've served, um, but I wonder how many trillions of tunes have been delivered in that car in that way and by the audience. Um, yeah, it's a shared experience. That's, mm. that's you know, that's good. That's a good experience is good advertising, I guess. I mean, that's memorable. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm not going to get into the to the actual product, even, but like just even consideration and, thought, you know, top of mind, um, it does a lot psychologically. Um, sure. But being consistent for so long means that they'll still be, whether they continue using it or not, is it'd be unfortunate if they stopped, but um, because there's so many different new ways it can be done, but they'll be they'll be reaping the rewards rewards from uh, this this twenty years for many many years because what they've done is they've put it into twenty years worth of young heads, and you stick a tune into a young head. And you will be in that playlist in their head forever. Yeah. So and that's he, part of the psychology right there. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, music comes through an eardrum, which is a very small, simple device in your brain. It goes straight into your head um, without complication, really, compared to visual. Um, and it activates both sides of the brain. 
um, which is why you can remember lyrics to a song that you heard in kindergarten and you haven't heard since, right? Or where you hear something yeah. like, I know this song. What is that song? Or you hear one note and you go, that's Benny and the Jets. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Or you hear a drum note and you can say, no, no, no. Or, you know, no, 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 this is Werewolves of, Lon- Werewolves of London, not uh, yeah. Sweet Home Alabama. And, you know, you can, even though it's exactly the same chord progression, you can tell which song it is. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I think. All songs I love, by the way. <laughs> I grew up with them too, so. Yeah. See, you know, yeah. Warren Zevon hated that song because it was, he made it up in 15 minutes. That's what happens, right? I've yeah. I've talked with people who have YouTube channels or do social media things trying to get something to go viral. And the thing they took three hours to put together does nothing. And the thing they took five minutes suddenly goes, explodes, right? <laughs> so yeah. it, it, there's no rhyme or reason, really. I think mm. it's just people find something fun or they find it authentic mm. or they connect with it in some way. And it's hard to know what what will hit. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think, you know, again, looking at McDonald's, that Sonic brand actually bears no relationship with the brand, with the product, right? Other than being happy and joyful. Interesting. So it's happy and joyful. And McDonald's makes you happy and joyful, right? And so it's found its connection over time as opposed to being created, you know, specifically for them. And and I think it's a rare example. It's kind of like when someone says to me, I want to make a podcast like Joe Rogan. And I'm like, well, you know, that just didn't happen. You know, that 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 there's yeah. a lot of there's there's work there. Um and and I think if Lots when someone says when someone says to me, um, you know, like the McDonald's jingle, I'm like, Yeah, I can I mean, I can put five notes together for you, but how do we do that? And and so we've created a sonic brand format to work with clients so that we can create the backstory so we can make sure it ties into the values and all that straight away because we are constructing it. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Quick question. Do you know anyone else who could benefit from hearing more about how powerful sound can be? If so, would you mind sharing this podcast with them? It would mean so much to me. Now I'll stop interrupting and let you get back to the show. You have a particular uh, process that you go through. Is there uh, can like can you talk about how you you do that in as much specifics as you can? Or <laughs> I mean, I know you can't give me entire details, but so, the idea of so basically, we need to understand uh, a lot about the brand, right? Who who the brand is, what the brand stands for, everything about it, the heritage for the older ones or the ambition for the newer ones. Um, we need to understand their audience, right? A lot of people don't exactly know their audience. Some know them absolutely fantastically, right? Um, some it's a bit in the middle. Our job is not to create the audience necessarily. Our job is just to collate all of the stuff people have already done for their uh, visual style guide or their tone of voice. And then um, we kind of apply the sonic style guide approach to it. So understanding the messaging that they need to say, you know, basically it's it's an audio style guide, right? But it's in sound. Sorry, it's but it's a sonic approach, right? So it doesn't need that visual, but it works with the visual um, and we need to understand what their mm-hmm. advertising channels are. 
Um, and then, you know, terms and conditions, if they're healthcare or finance and, you know, what's the boring bits as well? What do they grapple with? Um, so do they tell you this or do you find out yourself somehow or? Both. How does both, that happen? Both. both? I, I think there are certain things, there's 80% of every industry that's exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And there's 80% of every client that we have that's exactly the same. And then every industry and every client has a 20% uniqueness to them. That's where the magic is, right? That's where the magic is. Yeah. And so accepting reality on that for me took a long time because I never wanted to have like a production process or a creative process. I, I always thought, I was always of the opinion that when you get inspired, um, you know, off you go. But now, now I have so you know we have so many clients, so many people, etc. Um, you know we have to um, create that on demand. So we quickly listen to the industry. We quickly listen to the client. Um, usually, the thing I love about sound is you've actually figured out answers to the questions within a very short period of time. You don't have to listen for very long, mm -hmm. right? If you hear a message twice, you go, "Oh, that must be their message." turned up in two ads, you know, like it becomes a kind yeah. I mean, to me, it's obvious pretty quickly. Um, and then we listen for the subtle things, the little sound effects, the, the devices, the, the mnemonics, the motifs, what they've got in play. Um, the, I, I would go with 80 to 90%. This is not statistical, um, but 80, 90% of my clients have tried something before mm -hmm. and it's not working or they've never tried it before and they have nothing. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available in all the usual locations. Until next time.